Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Yeah, there is a federal election coming up, and uh, uh, well, October 21st. But that, that means obviously that the leaders of the parties are going to be crisscrossing the country, uh, making stops in uh, areas where they think they can garner some support. That's the way the game is played, obviously. Uh, the red has not been dropped yet, but that's anticipated it's going to be happening any day. We'll see about that. But to that point, uh, the leader of the federal NDP, Jagmeet Singh, is uh, in town today and uh, joins us on the Bill Kelly Show here at CHML. Mr. Singh, thank you for the time. Glad you could join us today. Mr. Kelly, it's a pleasure. Let me ask you, Rihanna, first, I'd like to get your reaction to the uh, uh, story that we've been carrying here in the news this morning. And it's the, uh, the Main Street Research uh, poll that was done for iPolitics. Uh, that essentially has the Liberals with a four-point lead over the Conservatives, and the NDP falling to fourth place in this poll behind the uh, the Green Party, uh, which is rather surprising to an awful lot of people. How do you? Uh, what's your reaction to that? You know, it's not really uh, reflecting the reality that I see on the ground. Um, people tell me every day how excited they are about our New Deal for People, the fact that we want to take on the, the governments in Ottawa, Liberal and Conservative, that continue to make life easier for the richest, and it makes their life harder. And so they're excited. We had uh, over 800 people at a rally in Toronto. That was packed with people. We've had events all across uh, the GTA, packed with people, lots of folks excited. So it doesn't match the reality that I see on the ground, uh, that I hear from people on the ground. And, and more importantly for me, I mean, it's always going to be about the final poll. The only poll that really matters is that on uh, October 21st. Uh, and that's, what I think, the, com- the consensus among other people, too. Obviously, it's what happens there on, the, on that federal election. But the concern uh, f- uh, for, uh, I guess, any political party at this point uh, is going to be, do you have traction? Do you have uh, momentum moving forward? And and these polls seem to indicate that a lot of what's going on here, and, and frankly, I, you can probably say this to a certain extent over the other parties, too, uh, the public doesn't seem to be gravitating to a lot of those messages as of yet. Well, I mean, I, I can only tell you what I experienced on the ground. We had a, an event in Brampton where we had over 1,200 people come out to a massive rally. I mean, we're pulling out big numbers, and it, it, to me, what it shows is that people are telling us, hey, we are worried about the state of affairs. We can't find housing. We are worried about our health care system. And we're saying we can actually fix that. We can invest in housing. We can build half a million new homes. And we can expand our health care system to include medication for all. That's going to significantly relieve the pressures on hospitals. When people have the medication to stay well, they don't end up in the emergency rooms. They don't, up in the ho- don't end up in the hospital. These are some really concrete ways to respond to what people tell me are their biggest concerns. And I'm confident that more and more as you speak to people and they hear our solutions to the problems they face, they'll come to us. And they're already coming in big numbers. We're seeing massive uh, turnouts at our events. Did we lose you? I, well, I thought we just had a blip there. Uh, let, let me ask you about the healthcare situation because obviously that was paramount here in the province of Ontario, uh, especially since uh, we have elected a premier last year that uh, promised to end what he calls hallway medicine. Uh, after a little more than a year, I don't see much progress. As a matter of fact, the situation seems to be getting worse. Uh, one of the things that we've talked about is being proactive with health care. I mean, once you're in the hospital, you're already sick or you, you need attention. Uh, we'd rather have more people that don't need that kind of help uh, because they've looked after themselves in a proactive way. Part of that, of course, is a national pharmacare program. I know you're an advocate for that. Uh, the concern that a lot of people are raising about that, though, is, look, at we just can't afford to do that right now. The, the, the money's just not there to, to pay for something like that. How do you respond to that? Well, I think that we can't afford not to do it. We had a report, an independent report, that pointed out that if we had a universal pharmacare program, it would actually save us $4 billion. And that's just direct cost of the medication itself. It doesn't factor in how much we would save. Uh, I'll give you one concrete example. I met an emergency room uh, nurse 
who treated a young kid who came in because he couldn't breathe. Um, he ended up doing the intervention, helped him breathe, and find out well, you know, what happened to make him in that position. Turned out that he had a puffer, but he couldn't afford the hundred dollar attachment that went onto the puffer that allowed the medication to spread into his lungs. That simple, small attachment that cost $100 was too expensive for the family, and it meant that he ended up in a hospital room costing thousands of dollars. That's things that we can avoid. That's a way that we can save money for our healthcare system, but also that kid shouldn't have to go to the emergency room because he couldn't afford a little attachment on the puffer. We would cover that. So that's a big savings. On top of that, we're not afraid to say this. We're going to ask the super wealthy, uh, the people at the very top, to pay a little more, and it's going to help us fund our promise and our commitment. It can be done a matter of choices and we're going to make the right choices one of the other well let's put it this way common criticisms i guess and i know you've heard this in your political career uh, is that the ndp are an anti-business party that they're going to tax 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 and that, that's bad for business it's going to drive jobs away well i would say i mean this this program here is something that uh, chambers of commerce across canada have endorsed uh, there's chambers of commerce from bc and ontario that have all said a universal pharmacare would actually save us money and we know that's true. We know that it would save each employer on average about $600 per employee. So it's a massive savings for business. It's uh, a competitive advantage because what it does is it says when you invest in Canada, not only is your health care included, but your medication is included. And that's one of the biggest costs when it comes to employee benefit packages. We think that you know your job or your income or your salary should not determine your benefits. Everyone in our country should have access to the health care they need. If you need medication, you should take your health card, not your credit card. What message do you have for, for the business community uh, to, to try to allay some of those concerns that an NDP government would be bad for business? Well, we believe business is important, but it should be done fairly. It shouldn't be a business where people aren't getting wages that are good enough to live a good life. We believe that we want business to thrive in a way that is benefit for, beneficial for everyone. We've seen the economy, and as it grows, it actually hasn't and better for people. I, I speak to people every day and they tell me they're working harder than ever before and they're not getting ahead. I want to build an economy where everyone gets ahead and where that's going to create an opportunity for everyone to be able to participate in the economy. It's going to be good for business. It's going to be, I don't believe in inequality, so I'm not going to be someone that's going to promote some people having massive wealth and others not. But I believe a good business, a good thriving economy means everyone benefits, everyone's able to do well, and that's something that's good for everyone. You, you talked about uh, tax on on the very wealthy, and and uh, what about that that tax? And let's apply that to how you would treat the business community because they're afraid of taxes there too, because that impacts their bottom line, which obviously is going to have some impact on the viability of the business itself. Uh, are, is the NDP plan also to tax the the wealthy corporations to try to get some of the income that you're going to need for some of these programs? Yeah, we're going to ask uh, the wealthiest corporations to pay their fair share. We believe that. We can be competitive, but also have those at the very top contribute their fair share. We know that there is a lot of wealth, a lot of successful businesses that are, you know, we're talking about the multi-billion dollar corporations that are doing very, very well, banks that are doing very, very well. They should pay their fair share. Uh, they should be able to contribute to building a better society. There's a lot of reasons why people choose Canada as their home. It's a country that's got stable, a stable government, that's got a um, good education system, and it's got a great healthcare system. These social services are what makes us a beautiful place to live, and that's why people want to invest here, and we want to make sure that it continues to be a country that is competitive, but also make sure that people live well and have fairness in their lives. 
I want to talk about trade, if I could, for a couple of minutes. That seems to be one of the common stories around the world these days, obviously. The, the turmoil in the U.K. is basically because of the Brexit situation and the European Union and that relationship. Uh, there's the Trans-Pacific Partnership. There's the possibility of trade with China. Uh, there's, of course, the much-talked-about uh, new NAFTA deal that uh, has yet to be ratified by neither the Parliament or the U.S. Congress. But trade is, is, is the story. Trade is part of commerce. Uh, the NDP has traditionally been looked at as a party that is protectionist and doesn't seek to, to build those international uh, partnerships through trade. Uh, what would an NDP government do? Well, our focus would be on making sure we have trade agreements that allow our incredible workers, who are amongst the best in the world, to compete on a global scale. But right now, if our trade agreements don't create a level playing field, all that's going to happen is that work, manufacturing jobs, are going to go to the lowest uh, cost sector. And that's not good for Canadian workers. So instead of uh, the recent NAFTA agreement, what my biggest problem is, is that it didn't put in place protections for workers or for the environment. So what it means is that while people here in Canada, uh, workers here have to go through certain, you know, have the benefits of certain workers' rights and have certain regulations when it comes to the environment, have to compete with other jurisdictions like Mexico, where there isn't the same protection for the environment, where there aren't the same wages. And it's going to be impossible for our amazing workers to compete. So what I would like to see is fair trade, where we're dealing with other countries in a way that creates an opportunity for our workers to compete, but not where we're competing with our hands tied behind our back. That's not helpful. That's not going to be good for our workers. And that's what we're really, really we're focused on. But the argument that you're going to hear from, from others, including people in the business community, is that's going to make Canada uncompetitive because the lower wages and, and the, the more friendly environment for, to create industry is going to be in these other countries, and, and we could end up losing. Well, I mean, if, if we're sending jobs where there's lower salaries, we're losing jobs here, I don't see how that benefits a working person. I don't see how that benefits someone in Hamilton. If our job is to help uh, the wealthy corporations make more money by uh, paying less to their workers, and then we have no one working in jobs here in Hamilton, that's not going to help. Uh, our job is this. How do we create a climate where people benefit, where people have good jobs, where we're competitive on a global scale, but it's not just benefiting the people at the very top, it's actually helping out workers. And we can do that if we make the right policies. One example is we spent a billion dollars recently on buying trains for Via Rail. Now, we own that. That's a publicly owned crown corporation. But we spent that billion-dollar contract on a German company. When we have a made-in-Canada solution, Bombardier, that employs thousands of Canadians, other countries in the world have made-in-their-own-country provisions. What I'm calling for is in Canada, we need, when it comes to procurement for our publicly-owned corporations, we should have a made-in-Canada provision so that there's a requirement that materials have to be made in Canada and that encourages creating jobs in our country. We've got to be clear. The policies that we make will have the outcomes. And if we don't have policies that encourage jobs in Canada, then we're going to lose them and people aren't going to have a good life. Mr. Singh, would an NDP government reach out to China and, and, and begin talks about trade with that country? More, more intense uh, trade, that is. Yes, I'm open to trade, uh, but I, I also want to really underline the fact that if we're trying to compete with a jurisdiction that doesn't have the same workers' rights, that doesn't pay their salaries, the same salaries, then our workers can't compete. Our, like I said, we've got some of the best workers in the world, one of the most educated workforces. They can compete with anyone if it's on a level playing field. I want to make sure that any, any trade deal that we strike has to keep in mind, will it benefit people, workers, or does it benefit the powerful, wealthy corporations? If it's only benefiting the wealthy corporations, then no, it's not a deal I want to get into. But if it's a deal that's going to ensure that we've got opportunities for work for our Canadian workers, Yes, it's something that I'm going to look at. 
We, as uh, everybody around here knows now, since uh, it was just imposed here in uh, Ontario a few months ago, uh, are part of the carbon tax program instituted by the federal government uh, some time ago. Uh, we already know that Mr. Scheer has said that if he forms the next government, he's probably going to scrap that tax altogether. Uh, what would an NDP government do? Uh, we believe that there is a price on pollution, and we see that price. When we pollute, when companies pollute, it means the air gets poisoned, the water gets poisoned, and there's a cost to that. So there's got to be a cost to pollution, there's no question. Uh, but the way that cost is applied right now, Mr. Trudeau exempted the biggest polluters. And I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's the right thing to do. We also need to make sure that some part of the money that we're, we're gaining from the price on pollution is used towards investing in a cleaner economy. It means investing in public transportation, electrifying vehicles. It's invested in retrofitting homes. We've got to use the funds that we can get together to make people's lives better, reduce their costs, and reduce our emissions. There's got to be a price on pollution. It's just got to be done the right way. Right now, the, the Mr. Trudeau's program is rigged in a way that benefits the people at the very top and, and is a uh, pressure for a lot of people. We want to make sure the system is fair. Would you would you scrap the program that's in existence right now or just uh, just t- tinker with it? Uh, we, we would change it dramatically and make sure that it works better so that it's not exempting the biggest polluters, uh, so that we're using some part of the funds that are, are recovered to invest in, in programs that actually make people's lives better, reduce emissions, and invest in public transit, do things that will actually improve people's lives. What about the rebate element of this, which is uh, one of the selling features, obviously, that uh, not just the federal government used, but the B.C. government some years ago when they instituted their program put in place as well. Would you maintain that program? Yes, the rebate program is a good program. It, it helps uh, take the pressure off of families, and that is something that's actually very effective. Uh, what I wouldn't do is uh, give rebates to the wealthiest, the people at the very top. And I think that's a, that's a problem that, that exists in the system. But the rebates to middle-class families, the rebates to lower-income families, that's, a, that's actually a good program. What would the threshold be then? Because uh, you've got to draw a line someplace. I mean, one of, the, one of the things we're looking at is that, you know, there's, there's a taxation system that acknowledges that those at the very top should have a different taxation. So uh, similarly, the, the, top, the top income earners, they're the ones that, you know, millionaires shouldn't be getting a check. Uh, that's a pretty simple place to put the, draw the line. So with that in mind, then, uh, obviously there's a concern about a, t- a two-tier system. That's, uh, in other words, the wealthy would not qualify for that, but they're still paying the tax. Absolutely. That's exactly how it has to be, the same way our taxation system works, that if you're really wealthy, you've got to pay a little bit more. Uh, if you're really wealthy, you don't get uh, rebates. I mean, that's, that's a system that makes a lot of sense. I'm pretty sure if you ask most Canadians, they'd say, yeah. I mean, you know, middle-class families should get a rebate because we're, we're the ones that are you know, not earning enough. And those at the very top, you're making millions of dollars, for sure they, should have, uh, they shouldn't have the rebate. Well, you're in Hamilton today. Uh, let's talk, I've got a couple of minutes left here. I want to talk about the steel industry. Uh, there's been sure. a great deal of concern about what's happening. Stelco, of course, is getting back on its feet, and that's great news, of course, for this community. Uh, ArcelorMittal Tafasco doing quite well at, at the same time. Uh, but there's still some concern about workforce and about conditions and about lo- the longevity of the steel industry. Some are suggesting that the government needs to step in and offer incentives, uh, which uh, some are doing, I, you know, obviously, with some of the money we've seen in the last little while. But protection for the Canadian steel industry in general, not just here for the Hamilton area. How do you feel about that? Oh, we for sure need to protect our steel industry. There's one massive concern that's been raised a lot of times. It's uh, steel dumping, where uh, low-cost steel, low-quality steel is dumped into into Canada, and it drives down the, uh, the cost of steel and, and also drives down the quality. It's unreliable, and it's very problematic. That's something that we can address at the federal level with better, uh, better controls on our duties and our, our imports, making sure that we we look out for uh, steel that's being dumped. 
We also need to acknowledge that the, the tariffs that were in place for so long were quite damaging. We long called for those tariffs to be removed. It seems pretty absurd that, our, that Mr. Trudeau would have negotiated a trade agreement but allowed illegal tariffs to be imposed, and that was very problematic. And then, uh, Mr. Kelly, what I was talking about, when we need to move towards a procurement program that encourages or incentivizes made in Canada, I mean that, and that's made in Canada steel and aluminum as well. If we have provisions where we use our public dollars, you know, we're building infrastructure like bridges or roads, or we're investing in trains, there has to be a made in Canada provision. Uh, many other countries have this. Germany has it. The U.S. has it. If we have made in our own country provision, it's going to ensure that there's an incentive for made in Canada steel and other products. It's going to build up a stronger manufacturing sector and, most importantly, make sure that Canadians have jobs. Mr. Singh, thank you so much for the time. I know you've got a busy schedule. Uh, we really appreciate you taking some time for us today. I'm sure we'll talk again between now and Election Day. Mr. Kelly, I'm sure we will. Thank you. Thank you. That's uh, Jagmeet Singh, of course, the leader of the federal NDP party. And we will endeavor, as we have done in every election, municipal, federal, and provincial, uh, to get the leaders of the parties here on the program to uh, give you an opportunity as to what's going on. And uh, we expect, as we say, the writ to be dropped in the, uh, well, we already know the election day, but that just kind of ramps up the uh, the campaign into full gear with the, the major parties. But the poll today, the Main Street poll, is rather interesting, uh, and that is that the NDP are falling to fourth place behind the Green Party now, the Liberals with a four-point lead over the Conservatives at the top of that heap. We'll see. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.